to episode 431 of the Steel Cage Podcast. My name is Derek Montia, occasionally known as Santa Claus, at least around my household. Uh, and we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and welcome you into a very special holiday edition of the Steel Cage. Uh, joining me is the prep and landing team. First, obviously, he's the Lenny to my Santa Claus. It is none other than Uncle Beak. Hey, I got the Santa beard next year. Maybe I'll flock this motherfucker. I love it. Oh, it looks beautiful. You look beautiful. Yes, I love it. Uh, and also joining us, the other the other half of this team, it's uh, the founder and proprietor of thesteelcage.com and, you know, one of the other Santa's elves. It's Mr. Joshua Schlag. Hey, hey. Couldn't think of the other name, but it's Wayne. You're I was thinking it's Squiggy. Lenny yeah, squiggy, squiggy, but... yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, happy to have you guys here. Uh, happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate. And Josh, do we have any emails? Uh, yeah, actually. You do, right? We, what? We do. What? No way. After all this it's, time. It's a Christmas miracle. Uh, yeah, so uh, the email this week comes from Dante. Dante Hello, writes, Dante. Hey, guys. I hope all is well during these crazy times. Thanks for putting out the pod. Uncle Beak, I take a shot of 100 milligrams of THC with you every pod. Oh, a fellow Actually, degenerate. I might take one as I write this email. So just oh, yeah. taking one? I'm going to take one. Yeah, well, all right. Look, we're doing this. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Oh, well, you're way ahead of me. I'm just going to do smaller, Derek. Oh I got a much gosh. smaller one. You guys are nuts. You're going to control this whole podcast soon, Josh. Right. My goodness. You'll have to steer the entire ship. Uh, Good luck, Josh. Bad. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, so so Dante, Dante writes this email, and then there's several line breaks. So I, I could just only assume that he actually went and. and did a hundred milligram shot before finishing. I appreciate <laughs> that attention to detail. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he writes, uh, so is it just me or did tonight's episode of SmackDown, meaning last week, of course, uh, show us how Roman Reigns will eventually turn back to face. He's obviously going to blame Paul for brainwashing him. Thoughts? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't disagree with him at all. I think that um, anything that they've laid the groundwork for as far as Roman Reigns goes, does go back to Paul Heyman. I think that that will always be the key factor in his turn and, and his thought process. They can always fall back on that being, you know, the out. So I, 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 the only, the only thing I would disagree with, with, I don't see this being any kind of signal that this is the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I think Roman Reigns will be healed for a very long time. I, I can't imagine them changing direction at any point soon because of how well it's been working. Uh, I'd probably agree with Derek on that last sentiment about, it. of course, Roman's eventually going to turn face. That's going to happen. I don't think it's anytime soon. I, and I also, I don't think this version of Roman would admit to being so easily manipulated that Paul Heyman was the one that did this. That's what I was Especially thinking. when Heyman was talking at one point and Roman was basically like, Paul, I got this. So I I could see him saying, hey, Paul, you're the reason that there's a wedge between me and my family for sure. But I, I don't know if he's going to blame his change on Paul. Right. And, and 
I, I think that that's probably a safe bet. I just think that with WWE, sometimes they're a bit lazy. And no matter what, that will always be an out for them as far as his, you know, you know, his, his, the, 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 the doctor behind the monster. You know what I mean? I can see Heyman actually betraying Roman quicker. Like he grows un, no longer useful for Heyman. And maybe sure. he sees a, a shiny new penny that he wants to take uh, the career over for. I don't know. But yeah, I don't see it happen anytime soon. Uh, this this Roman is too good. Uh, WWE actually figured something out organically. It's pretty impressive. It's really impressive. It really is. And I mean, on, on one hand, like we've said before, it's, it's something that you felt, you know, they, they should have recognized at an earlier stage, but I, it's, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg situation, man. I, I just still don't know if we would feel this way about him now, if he wouldn't have the entire history that he's had, you know, had they 100%. turned him heel earlier, had they not done some of the stuff, had they not tried to, you know, shove him down our throat at times as, as we perceived it. Agreed. Had they not tried to make Roman look strong, but so so strong, <laughs> so strong. Uh, but he had a really great match, to be honest. At TLC, uh, I thought that they went really Holy hard in the paint. To be honest, Holy crap, that uh, was a I, match. I was incredibly impressed by how far they went. Unnecessary at times, in, <laughs> in my opinion, but awesome. You know, I thought a lot of the matches actually delivered. Uh, with the exception of one that we'll discuss, you know. Um, but yeah, definitely, I thought the uh, Roman Reigns match delivered. I thought, I, I I just think Roman Reigns and and Kevin Owens have chemistry together. Yeah, I think what, they, uh, what they've what they done bringing, you know, uh, uh, Jey Uso into it has just worked extremely well. And I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I hate them and I, I want them to be beaten. That's the that's the fan side of me, and that's the perfect position to be in for for what they want. Because I'm doing it kind of with a smile, where I'm like, I hate them, but this is awesome. He, Dude, the match was so great. It's, a lot of times with so many players in a match, it can get really muddled and convoluted, and you're like, okay, clearly this guy is not going to win. But there was still believability the whole time that Kevin Owens was going to pull this thing out. Right. I, it literally, I was. Normally I'm like dicking around on my phone a lot of times during a match and I don't really pay attention. I was, my eyes were glued on the television the whole, whole match. And, and, and you're right. Like it felt, they, they gave it that, that they gave it the feeling of Roman Reigns being overpowered, but then they also gave Kevin Owens like that, you know, the dog in a corner kind of feel where he's, you know, he at any to. time. There's nothing yeah, else he, he can do. He has right, to keep fighting. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, and it's KO, you know, he fucking, just did an amazing job at selling everything that they did and still coming back as that underdog. Uh, and it was brutal at times though, you know, like the, the stuff that they <laughs> did just, just beating them with like tables and chairs all at the same time, like everything, you know, it was, it was great though. You know, I, th I thought it was really, really, really what this situation needed going and over the edge, habitual line stepping. And clearly the program's not over. I hope they don't end it with this cage match. Normally a cage match 
on the following show is uh, pretty much a, an ender to a feud, but I hope they keep it going, uh, depending on how it plays out. Oh, wait, we already know how it plays out. Were there spoilers already for that show? Oh. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm sad. No. Spoilers suck, man. Uh, I, I will say that, like, it's really hard if you don't watch the live show to not know major moments happen, but... Or about how our buddy, good old Uncle Dave Meltzer, saying that Charlotte was definitely going to be... Or current plans show that Charlotte will be Asuka's partner, which a lot of people assumed, but Dave basically gave it to us. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that one? Uh, I, I love Charlotte. I love the way that she came back. I love. I the meant whole... more about Dave telling everybody it happened. That part before. sucks. Yeah. I mean, that part sucks. It's pro wrestling, right? I mean, the knowing someone's coming back takes out seventy five percent of of the air out of that return. You know yeah, what I even mean? Even if like, all of us assumed it, it would even, still be like, it, "Hey, what we assumed actually happened, not that we knew." You you feel differently when you assume it's going to happen because there's that sense that you put it together yourself. Yeah. Right. It's different when someone in a position like Dave Meltzer is in tells you because you trust and believe him. And then when it happens, you're like, Oh, well, Meltzer spoiled that shit for me. You know, I, 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 I'll never forget thinking back to Jericho's return at a Royal rumble here in Phoenix and how for me as a wrestling fan that was top three moments of of me being at a live show because of how the lengths that they went to to keep jericho and you know being in that rumble secret you know including running some fucking bullshit in the airport so people didn't see him and everything like just going to unnecessary lengths just so somebody wasn't like Hey, I saw Jericho on a fucking red eye to Phoenix. Like, obviously, he's going to be in the Rumble, right? Nobody goes yeah. to Phoenix. <laughs> like, nobody's, it's not because LA or something. There. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's a big part of it. You know, it sucks and it's hard with wrestling shows that aren't live. And it's hard with a lot of professional wrestling because there's just so many people that, you know, blow it in some way whether it's performers on the show or people that are in the know people can't wait to be first and they can't wait to blurt it out there so even if even if it's not Meltzer stuff gets around and people you know even if someone that's not a journalist tweets it out that they have credible knowledge about it we'll all know you know it's the way it happens it sucks made it a little bit less special but it's very cool to see Charlotte back. She's an incredible performer and the women's division definitely needs it. You know, they, 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 they have a lack of big stars, especially on raw when it comes to the women's division. So her coming back is, is huge for raw. So what do you think they do with the double titled Oscar? Is they're going to have her do a, a run with Charlotte for a while as tag and hold up the title as well? Or just have her break off and you know, lose that singles title and then stay together with Charlotte. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure right now, it's basically two two titles are held up with one person yeah. with a women's division that has plenty of superstars. She's Oscar two belts. She's Oscar yeah. two belts. I, I'm sure that they're going to do something along the lines of 
a conflict between the two. Yeah, it, it, they'll probably do an odd couple thing, and it will result in Charlotte essentially going becoming for the actual title. What's that for her going for the actual title? Yeah, going for yeah. the women's title. I, I feel like that's where this story is is gonna. You know, tag get, team champions together in a met title match. Oh, it writes itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's uh, Rick Flair's kid. Woo! Thick Flair's kid. That's yeah. right. Look at that. Look at that thick boy. Look how beefy he was. He's so, so beefy beef. in that. He's so beefy in that. So picture. beefy. <laughs> Can you get that shirt on pentagonzo.com? It's not mine. I very rarely wear shirts like this. Oh, I found it randomly really? online. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I was thinking about actually just starting making shirts that I want to wear. Just like just yeah, buy them for myself. That's exactly what you need to do. Yeah. I think that's a that, that, that's a great path to follow for artists and entertainers. Do something that makes you laugh or you would enjoy. Just, oh, and everyone else will follow suit. Seems kind of masturbatory, but whatever. I might as well do it. Yeah. <laughs> why not? These assholes put me on a shirt and they all bought the shirt. These motherfuckers. You should see it. It's awful. It's available on the steelcageshop.com. Uh, that's not a plug. That's just a thing I said. Uh, we we had the Hurt Day, uh, the New Day and the Hurt Business. <laughs> the Hurt Day and the New Business. Wait, I need to hear the Hurt Day come together. That would be rad. The Hurt Day? Uh, yeah. Uh, the New Day versus the Hurt Business for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And it finally happened where the Hurt Business got over and uh, steals the Raw Tag Team Championships away from the New Day. Great match again. These guys match up really well and they put on hell of a show. Uh, it was just really, I think, a bit surprising. I don't know why. It felt like this was the right payoff at this point, you know, to give the Hurt Business that have done an absolutely outstanding job as a group. Uh you know all the gold so you got the u.s champion and the tag champions now now they're they're all their accessories match their t-shirts they're covered in gold from head to toe uh yeah long time coming i wasn't necessarily surprised because i felt like this was the right time um and then also eventually the new day 11 time tag team champions uh We'll get that eventually absolutely yeah. but yo these guys deserve it um they are running the show they've been running raw the whole entire pandemic it's That's basically right. been their show so yep. well deserved also uh two great stories after they won the championships one being that shelton benjamin apparently went to shed gaspard's house and celebrated being tag champions with his son oh, shed's awesome. son which is just a really cool moment uh, and then the other thing is that Big Swole, which is Cedric Alexander's wife, uh, tweeted out that they were going to be the slurp business. So, you know, Cedric Alexander got himself his own post-match wow. celebration. Congrats to both of them for the way they individually celebrated that, that victory. That is fucking hilarious. The slurp business. Oh, I don't even know what to say. I can't have no follow-up to that. That's good. Um, so we had uh, I, I wanted another match that I thought was really, really good. Uh, I thought the feud was good and just kind of surprising because obviously not a lot of people give her this credit, but Sasha versus Carmella. Uh, I thought that was a really good match build up uh, the feud between them. I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. And I just 
wasn't expecting to. I just found myself enjoying it. I I did enjoy the match. I found myself hit and miss with Sasha. I mean, not necessarily in ring. She always gives her all in ring, sometimes to her own detriment. Uh, But I do like this angle. I like Carmella, even though I don't really see her change as far as the personality is concerned. But I like this new presentation, I suppose. The sommelier is really funny. That's kind of a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, I like it. It's it's a good feud to get into whatever's next. I don't know. I can't see them continuing this. Can you? No, not really. But I think Carmella fits really well as a heel. And oh, I yeah. think she's really found her groove. Uh, you know, I I, I I give her credit because she seems to be the type of person that's done whatever's asked of her and mm. kind of always put her heart into it. You know, and at times she's been good. Like she's been really good, and then she settles back into being, you know, like a sidekick for our truth. Uh, so, even that stuff was super great, right? And that's yeah. the thing is, is even when she's asked to do that stuff, she knocks it out of the park because she was fully committed to it and gave it her all. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is a really good fit for her, though. You know, I, I don't know where it goes from here. I feel like this is kind of like when Drew won the belt, where they're going to give Sasha a series of you know challengers essentially that she'll Easy kind of victories, so to yeah speak. she'll kind of roll through one after yeah. the other until probably comes back around to bailey or somebody more substantial maybe becky who knows i don't know you know we'll see where that where that all goes how soon do you think becky comes back actually that's actually a good point i have no idea man i mean you know i i, I think one thing i've learned as a parent is this shit goes by really fast you know, you know for, a friend of mine told me that as the best piece of parenting advice I ever received when we were playing Call of Duty one night and I made a comment about my daughter, you know, needing a bottle or something eventually. And all he said to me was like, hey, man, enjoy every minute. Enjoy every 3 a.m. diaper change. That shit's going to be over in a blink of an eye. And it was like the most sage wise advice I ever got. Everything I've done with my daughter has been over in a blink of an eye. And the thing about raising a kid especially is is that they just change from one thing to the next so fast. And you get used to that thing they were, and now there's something completely different. It's like a metamorphosis process where right where you, you know, start keeping up the pace, they change the tempo. Right. So I mean it's I like that. It, it's it's one of those things that my biggest recommendation is to spend as much time as you can you know around them at home around them you know growing up whatever you can that's the feeling i was getting she it seems like something where she's gonna hang out for a while and you know be there for the first year and really help upbring this kid not just saddle it with a nanny because they've got the money they can do whatever the hell they want you know what I mean? the, the one thing the one thing that i have is that right now they're in in a global pandemic they're in a fixed location so if they happen to be in florida it's it's like going to work it's driving yeah. to a building and then driving back home it doesn't Fair. seem as difficult as a rigorous schedule that the wwe superstars typically have to go through on on a normal you know at the normal time of the year when there's not a global pandemic but also be a bummer if like mom went to work and got hurt and then had a hard time at that, home with the kid that's very true that's yeah. very true there's a lot of that stuff though and i mean once you start having a kid that impacts i think a lot of your thinking and, and sure. a lot of you know especially the risk taking that you do 
she was a reckless uh wild spirit you know and i don't mean reckless in a bad way i just mean she uh had reckless abandonment for her own body and and she knew at times when to grab a moment like having her nose busted open and make it into one of the most memorable moments in wrestling history thanks naya right hey make fucking lemon out of lemonade damn right or you know you go back and you tell life take back these goddamn lemonade or lemons i want to talk to your manager you know make I life just through the day give you some lemons um what so, if they give you so, melons <clears throat> then you're uh, you're dyslexic that's why. what are you are you still here josh melonade yeah <laughs> no I, I i haven't watched uh tlc or any of that stuff so i don't really know but sure I'm just hanging out but you, you you mentioned somewhere in there uh enjoy every diaper change uh and you know i've, I've got a little one on the way in just a few months here and i was reading a book and i didn't really realize this but they're like they're you, you go through like 3,000 diapers in a year. Like, I, I just do it in the math of my head. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. That but, seems like that seems like a low estimate. That seems like a low estimate. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's okay. Awful. And every diaper change is worse than the last one. Somehow <laughs> they blew out more shit and it's a different color. This one's upper back. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best thing I read in that book Real. was like don't don't spend much money on on infant clothes because they will be puking and shitting on that like every day all day. So and like even even your shit that's like 0 to 6 months they'll grow out of it 3 months and you're like how are you this big already? And then you're they were like wearing 9 months at 6 months you're like how are, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. that's a real thing. That's, that's um, what Becky's gonna be going through. Or you get like you, you get like you got like two or three memorable ones, or keep the ones that the people give you at like baby showers and stuff that are special. You know, yeah. we had some with like Green Day on them and shit like that. Yeah, those. I think we still have some. Like your kid doesn't listen to Green Day. Name an album, kid. Yeah, <laughs> fake fan, fake yeah. ass fan, fucking poser. You're like oh. Sting. Yeah. Oh, so I, I was doing the math on that whole thing and like you know she gave birth early december uh we had wrestlemania at the beginning of april like she must have actually just gotten pregnant essentially as you know during that wrestlemania match she was probably a couple weeks in Mi oh i was gonna say like mid-match <laughs> is that what you're saying like in, in the locker relations <laughs> uh, it had to happen that weekend <laughs> yeah totally I, I was doing the math yeah no you're not wrong and and you know what wrestlemania season that's a good season to get it on my friend sure enough <laughs> all right go on i don't even know where to go from this so back to <laughs> speaking of genocide we had drew mcintyre versus aj styles in the wwe championship match also a tlc match another surprisingly brutal championship match that was very hardcore and again kind of I, I i think i i think i'm guilty at times of thinking these guys aren't going to go as hard in the paint as they do because of the level that they are but i was surprised by this pay-per-view by that in general by many of the matches so damn violent especially right? the dlc matches holy yeah. crap just some of the shit they did man i mean there was a lot of I, there was a lot of awesome shit that 
like you said, had me glued to the screen. I, I don't have a lot of memories of it now because I've been wrapping papers, fucking wrapping presents for 48 hours straight. But um, I do remember, you know, the Miz getting involved with the match and cashing in. So the money in the bank is now done. Gone? Not necessarily. Oh, let's hear this. Go ahead. Remember Miz's defense. He didn't cash it in. John Morrison did. Mm. So he could possibly oh. use some finagling mm, where he actually is still Mr. Money in the Bank. All they right. better do that. That's It is such a good twist. If they don't do it, it's kind of a miss. You know what I mean? I yeah, like well, that. and it's right back up there backing up his legal claims, uh, stealing it away from Otis the way he did. Yep, and he's he's claiming he'll he'll speak to people at USA. So maybe the USA exec step this in. This is say, very Chris Jericho of UCW against Dean Malenko busting the rule book out and just Miz, really finding all the fine details there. Somehow Miss gets better with age, man. I love he just it. keeps getting better. So good. I, I actually happen to notice that they they recently released uh, some of the Real World Road Rules Challenge on Netflix. Awesome. Uh, and and my wife was sitting down watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a thing they used to do with like you know the two different reality shows that get them all together and like have a whole thing. They'd get drunk in between all the challenges and then they'd go out and like do these things. I had, I had no idea that the very first season that they had on Netflix uh, actually does indeed have the Miz on it. Has yep. the Miz, uh, Karamo, who we now know from Queer Eye, uh, and then a bunch of other schlubs, but. Kind of cool. Kind of cool yeah. seeing that. Dude, I love that damn show. I watch it religiously. This is not a Road Rules Rural Challenge show, but we can go into it. Let's go. No, we're not going to do that. No. <laughs> but I will appreciate Miz for what he does and for the fact that, to be honest, I, I don't know, man. The Miz gets it. Like, <clears throat> again, totally. this kind of goes back to my whole thing with, like, the kids. It's, it's, it's a finite amount of time that they're kids before they are grown and they don't give a shit and they're off doing their own lives. So you really need to take advantage of being their parent during that, you know, limited amount of time when they're a child and they, you're, you're their everything and all of that. Right. I feel like the Miz not only gets that with his kids, right. And he's figured out a way to make money while spending time with his kids, but he also gets that about making money in general that he has a finite amount of time to make money and he is like the classic definition of a sellout but in 2020 people don't hate sellouts anymore people love sellouts company man is what i call him well that's fine too but (laughs) not even like just the fact that he understands that like he can like right now is his prime and he can make as much money as he can now uh, probably in a short amount of time, like over the next five years, and then potentially just retire and enjoy it. Or, you know, have a fucking reality show where he doesn't have to be on the road being a wrestler anymore and just has reality cameras around or whatever. Which is amazing because starting as a reality star, moving into wrestling, ending his career as a reality, reality star. It's a nice Well, and then um, almost using wrestling to just build his, you know, fanship up. People that yep. follow him and are aware of who he is and people that love him. And then, you know, translate that into back into reality. It, it's, it's just, like I said, on one hand, you could definitely consider it a sellout move, but I don't because I understand in life you don't have these opportunities for very long especially being a pro wrestler 
you know, look at these guys that were cut this last year, you know, due to the pandemic, due to them not having enough money, bullshit, right? These guys that have gone elsewhere and proven their worth already in a short amount of time. You know, uh, I, I, I definitely think Gallows and Anderson are really going to make them fucking regret cutting them, you know, but it's just one of those things where, you know, it's, you, you, you gotta, you gotta make the money while you can. And I, I appreciate that Miz is just so aware of that. And so, you know, taking advantage of his opportunity to do that. Didn't you gotta know Miz is amazing, but I, I'm really loving Morrison in this role, especially oh. when he's like doing the, the small dog thing. When Miz finishes a line, Morrison will just repeat the last word of the sentence to emphasize it. Yeah, it's fucking obnoxious, but so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yes, it's fantastic. Everything I, about there it. was some like just some really great quotes. Like I wish I had wrote, written them down, knowing that we were gonna recap it, but. Just if if you go back and w- listen to the promos, just listen to Morrison. No, he's so fucking funny, yeah. right? And I mean, I like at times I think Raw is getting better, but I think that they're still pretty lazy with with their writing. I think they just have better talent, and it makes it easier for them to have you know more interesting things happen with that talent. I think guys like Miz and Morrison and Bray Wyatt handle a lot of the load on their own, you know, without needing a lot of, you know, hands-on guidance, hands-on guidance. Like, you know, especially watching Miz and Mrs. You kind of see some of the car rides with Miz and Morrison and they're coming up with their own shit. They came up with a lot of those like music videos and dumb shit that they did uh, when they were feuding with Braun Strowman. And that, that was them doing it on their own. So I like, I appreciate the fact that, they are so, you know, smart and they're so funny. And you're right. John Morrison at the time, just like there's times where he just makes me think about, you know, who he was coming into WWE and how he's willingly accepted this role, you know, yep. as a, as a, as a sidekick to the Miz essentially. Right. But in, in such an emphatic way that he's just embraced it and made it his own. And he's, he's awesome with it. you, you you do the thing that fans do where you want to see him not be that anymore and that will come to fruition that'll be something that if he keeps up and does everything that they need him to do will will probably happen makes you wish they would actually take a, a chance on letting guys who are buddies on the show maybe come up with some content that clearly we know this works there's guys like the new day have made it established that they can do that these guys exactly Miz and morrison can i'm sure exactly. there's other guys who are incredibly creative if given the opportunity they could just I, create I think, their own stuff i think the difference there is guys like xavier you know guys like Miz, they've been in the company for a long time or they've been at least working for wrestling for a long time and they can they kind of get it yeah uh, they're smart about the fact that they see if they are the ones that come up with the ideas then that helps the writers because it does 50% of their job. Now they just got to come up with some bullshit scenario and who they're going to do it against and whatever. But uh, yeah, if it sounds good and it's a good idea, then most of their work's done. Of course, they're going to love that and plug that kind of idea into the show. You know, sure. it makes sense. But I, I still, my, my favorite John Morrison story ever is a personal one. And 
it's one of the only times that I really geeked out about something somebody did, right? This was at a Lucha Underground show here in Phoenix that I worked at as a production assistant. And, you know, it was at the state fair. And my job was just to kind of be a do whatever kind of guy, a gopher, you know, me and my friend, Brian, AKA uh, pipe bomb, Brian Gregston from this show, follow him at guitar salad. Uh, we, we had a really fun time doing this, but they put our asses to work. Uh, the, one of the best moments of the show for me personally, though, was when the show was winding down, everybody was putting their uh, stuff away and getting ready to leave. John Morrison was packing up his gear and he had this awesome American flag headband with like his sunglasses printed on the headband so that if you put the headband on, it looked like you were also wearing his sunglasses on your forehead. So cool. And I just made a comment to him that that bandana was awesome. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. Like he got super like jazz that I, you know, commented on his headband. And he was like, yeah, I just had these made. They didn't really come out right here. You want one? And he just gave me one. And I was like, yeah, I want one. And I was like, this is awesome. Thanks, man. And he was like, no problem, bro. And I said, will you come take a picture with me wearing them? And he goes, I would absolutely be honored to. So next thing I know, I'm out in the fucking outside taking the selfie with john morrison and just the whole thing about it was he could have been like every other you know wrestler not even like wwe superstar or real like super important person like every other wrestler that kind of would be been annoyed by my general requests to do anything further than just comment on his headband like you could have been like hey you want one 20 bucks dude yeah exactly right like he easily could have been like five bucks at the very i would have paid him five bucks for it it was the fact that he just gave it to me and then he was like 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 kind of like he is with miz he just had this childlike innocence of being giddy about the fact that i wanted to go take a picture wearing our headbands so he like got one out himself and folded it all up and put it on so that we were both wearing matching headbands. It's like, let's go be dorks. This is great. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know, seeing him on Miz and Mrs. and seeing him in his time with WWE so far, I, I, I feel that's like the real him. Like, I feel sure. like he is just kind of that kind of goofy, funny guy that likes to do silly things and gets a kick out of shit like that. Now it's time your cue. You're supposed to reach over and say, "And here is the bandana right yeah, here." Yeah, oh, I got. I do. I have it. I have it right back there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to waste time going to get it, but it is like behind me, not too far. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just uh, great, great people. I mean, we've. I think we've all, all three of us, have had a chance over the last five to ten years, uh, a chance to just meet a lot of wrestlers and come across a lot of cool situations. Yeah, we've had our chances or fair shares of like assholes and whatnot. But, you know, I think that a lot of people have been really cool. And surprisingly, in 2020, one of the people that's proving to be cool, despite all odds, has been Randy Orton. I don't get that face turn. That has been a face turn, both socially, publicly, and privately from conversations that we're having in our chat where he's commenting on my friends like hoodies and shit just being all cool at like events they were at where they met him and bumped into him i i'm i'm blown away by some of the stories i've heard recently about randy orton good to hear good to hear and then also he's a 
Mandalorian fan, apparently. So you can't get too mad at him. Yeah. He's like, I know I just burned Bray Wyatt alive and you shouldn't trust me, but you should watch The Mandalorian. (laughs) I was like, holy shit, that's a tweet. This is a completely unsponsored plug. No even hashtag ad. I'm just saying, I watched that shit for the first time. It was fire. I might have pooped in someone's bag, but you guys should watch The Mandalorian. Look, all these recommendations. Bring them on, Randy. (laughs) I kind of wish he did say it was fire, Derek, by the way. Yeah, I wish he said it was fire, too. Uh, That would have been the perfect way to end it. Uh, He did light Bray Wyatt on fire in a way overproduced match where they both overthought themselves. I did. I missed it entirely. Did you really? Um, yeah they they after the, after the kevin owens and roman match they kicked into a commercial for broken skull sessions i'm like well that's the end of the show they're playing broken skull sessions now i turned I've, it off and then i've I heard sitting- several people say that as a matter of fact megaran thought the show was over after the aj styles drew mcintyre match which i believe was the first match of the night <laughs> i just gave up on the pay-per-view after that came over to my house and I was like, yeah, I'm about to turn it on right now. Like, no, Ridiculous. there's like there's like six more matches. Um, it's weird. How was it? It was really weird. Like, I liked, I definitely enjoyed the fact that they uh, made the arena all crazy with like flamethrowers all around, you know, like mixed in with the screens of fans and just everywhere. There was a ridiculous amount of fire just shooting up from everywhere ridiculous my biggest complaint was the fact that after randy orton basically eventually gets over on on bray wyatt he then pour douses him with like lighter fluid and like lights the body on fire and it's the fakest looking shit you've ever seen in your life just laying there in the middle of the ring and i don't understand why I don't understand why. I don't understand how they either don't have better special effects to have what looks like an actual Bray Wyatt body laying there. Oh, the dummy was bad? He is wearing a mask. It wasn't even a dummy. It looked like when someone, you know, sneaks out of their room and wants to (laughs) stuff their bed so that they look like they're still sleeping there. So they grabbed like a sweater and stuffed it with a shirt. I don't fucking know. It's awful. (laughs) It was awful. It wasn't a dummy. I'm saying you couldn't have fabricated a life-size fucking Bray Wyatt. They gave it the same treatment Sami Zayn gave the Sammy Awards. You know, it was a fucking action figure spray painted gold, hot glued to the top of a black tin can. That's basically what they did with Bray Wyatt's body for the dummy that they had. Rick, you know, Randy Orton fucking light on. I had people complaining it looked shitty, and then I saw Bray Wyatt on fire as he was like running into the ring. Oh, that doesn't look that bad. That was different, motherfucker. Yeah, that was a different part, but that was awesome. Yeah, they did light Bray Wyatt on fire, so there really was a portion of the match where Bray Wyatt was on fire. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's definitely more than the time that Kane just had his arm lit on fire in order to lose the match. <laughs> yeah, he's just like all scared. Yeah, look at my arm; it's on yeah. fire. Yeah, stupid ass Kane. Uh, this, I felt like that was sufficient. Having Bray Wyatt like be on fire, I thought that was the purpose of the match. They just yeah, needed they, to go. Randy has to be a murderer. Oh, like... they needed to go the extra step, right? Yeah. What's the What's the evolution of the Bray Wyatt character? He was posting pictures of chrysalis and bugs 
on his Twitter. So like he's not really selling this injury so much. I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. I don't really care right now at this point. I'm sorry, but I've lost interest in Bray Wyatt. I really blame mostly. He's got too many hats on. I blame Alexa Bliss. I blame Alexa Bliss. You know, she is really annoying in that role. I didn't like her this most recently when she was on like the playset and then it like it like teleported into the ring. I was like, okay, that's lame. And then she's just like saying her lines with this blank, goofy. It's it's literally the same feeling, and I know I've given this analogy before about the boyfriend with the girlfriend you don't like, but it feels that same way to me as a wrestling fan. I feel like I'm trying to like it because it should be good, but it's not, so I don't like it, and I blame her for yeah. breaking up the Beatles. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's Yoko? She's the Yoko in this scenario, you know, with with... The, the pig and I think the, the rabbit. N- no. Yeah, I'm just saying. Just All saying. Right. She feels Peppers. like the Yoko. She came in later. Well, John was the genius, you know. By the way, there's a new documentary about the Beatles that's eventually going to hit Disney Plus like next year, and they gave a little five minute preview of it on Disney Plus, and it looks outstanding. Mostly, I will definitely tune into that. Mostly because it's the Beatles like having fun and like like recording shit and making jokes like it's totally like b footage of them just hanging out and being like normal people and it just looks really enjoyable so i'm gonna i want to geek out for the beatles for one second paul mccartney was just on uh howard stern and he was talking about writing the song help with john and how at the time it just felt like a fun poppy song but if you listen to the works it's really a guy desperately asking for somebody to help him and that's what really john was at that time like he help i need somebody yeah but it really yeah. sounds upbeat if you like right i need somebody, I need somebody. but then you listen to the words like it's really like a guy like anybody i need someone help and like oh but yeah yeah like it's, 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 it's a whole it's, different it's, feeling about the song it's literally a cry for help literally yes. a cry for <laughs> indeed help. yeah yeah well, but it's you know i feel like it's the inspiration for that rick and morty episode where he gets turned into like the kid. Oh, he's yeah. at the school yeah. dance. And he's like, "Help! I'm trapped." And he's yeah. literally just saying things like that, and everybody's like, "Yeah, this is a jam." Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Oh man, I love that episode. Tiny Rick. Tiny Rick. Uh, I I guess my Beatles story is not my own, but I'm gonna steal my wife's. For some reason, when my wife was a small infant. Uh, she was on a plane with her parents and Paul McCartney was on the plane and as he walked by he told my parents how cute my wife was as a baby and then your parents not my parents I'm sorry her parents (laughs) I confuse that story Uh, told her parents uh, how cute she was as a baby hey your baby it's really yeah and then the baby then in a really creepy way later came over and asked if she could hold her and of course because it's paul mccartney he could do anything he wanted so they were like yeah here you go here's our kid and then he like started showing the stewardesses how cute my wife was as a child here it's exactly something like that (laughs) (laughs) later sold my wife online (laughs) wait not online I'm sorry. But now I ruined that joke <laughs> with technology. Jeez. All right. What else we got? Josh. I love riffing. Keep riffing. Let's Josh. Josh. 
Yeah. What else do we got? Oh, is it my turn now? I don't know, man. I think we talked about TLC. I mean, that match was garbage, cool. but the rest of the show uh, was a lot of fun, to be okay. honest. I enjoyed well, it. I had a good time. It sounds like I, I'm going to have to turn on TLC tomorrow while I'm doing some work in the background. So Definitely check that out. All right. And so, I'm sorry, you have to work on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's fine. I, I'm... I got no reason to take it off because my wife has to work. So, with his brother, yeah. Anyhow, um, so I I just wanted to take us through kind of like a, a quick retrospective. And when I say quick, it's not gonna be quick, but take us through a retrospective of 2020 and like some of the major moments that happened uh, in pro wrestling, of course, because that's what this podcast is about. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna take us back. And we're, we're going to start off at the Royal Rumble. Number 21 at the Royal Rumble uh, was a moment that blew all of our collective minds. It's when Edge returned. Uh, the, the, this thing that I don't think any of us could have possibly imagined would ever, ever happen. Like we saw the whole Daniel Bryan thing go down, but Edge was like that one case where he just you felt like you were going to cry about it forever. Like he, he just never got to... to to say goodbye the way he wanted to and hey there he was at the Royal Rumble and, and then it turned into the whole thing like that was just I don't I don't know like like all the things we've been through in 2020 there's been a lot of bad but that was just a moment of like just legitimate joy across across the world the wrestling world and I think it's it was within the last 12 months it's insane like that feels so long ago yeah, at this point this year it, it feels and, like a lifetime ago absolutely years ago the best part about it is what you were saying about we never thought that would happen even when the rumors were happening a couple months ahead of time that edge might be cleared medically i was like well there's no way he's gonna wrestle he might come and get physical or something but he's not gonna have a run but yeah i remember wow. getting mad about someone getting like using a picture of him working out as like proof that he was getting ready to come back and i, and I remember being like exactly. so the he's guy can't shape. work out just because yeah. he's gonna be working out that means he's ready for wrestling yeah, yeah like he stays in shape for a tv show and stuff no i i remember like i remember when people were putting those rumors out there and i'm like you guys are idiots it's like edge would <laughs> like no shoot him down on twitter way. i'm like you guys are stupid there's no way you're just this is like cm punk's coming back right come on yep yeah it, uh, it didn't feel real it it hits his departure didn't feel real. You know, yeah, I still remember, I remember the succession of events and it happened so quick and it was like fresh off a of pay-per-view. And then I think he speared Umaga. And then I think that shit was a wrap if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but like yeah. on the next episode of SmackDown, you know, it was, it was like so quick. Uh, he was, he was here and then he was gone. He was at the like little, literally at the pinnacle of his career and, and totally. then gone. That's one of the I, moments watching wrestling where I actually teared up, man. Like him saying goodbye. Yeah. I was like, what? And then you kind of feel weird. Like, man, I like wrestling a lot. <laughs> I really like pro wrestling. This yeah. guy, I don't know this guy at all, but his situation in life is killing me. You know what the thing about it is, though, that I think we all have a pretty good grasp of what's going on here with pro wrestling. Sure. With these guys. Yeah. We, we, that's why you know, we, we cheer for, especially these guys that we know in a personal way that came from like a small wrestling promotion that worked their way up to being 
you know, with a company as big as WWE and living their dreams, um, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful story. And wrestling is kind of like that when it comes to athletics, you know, it's, it's a lot like the, the story of some, you know, athlete, regardless of sport, that just gets a, an opportunity to go from being this person, you know, work, you know, playing sports in a minor league and an arena league, you know, college, whatever, you know, fulfilling their dream and living, living it out right before our eyes, you know, wrestling's beautiful like that. I think that we also know that it's not given the respect that it deserves. So like when these guys hurt themselves and they have to leave at a young age like that, uh, it's, it's just a reminder of, of how dangerous it is and how quickly it could be over for any of, of these performers. I also think because Edge was a wrestling fan who became a wrestler, I think we connect, oh, we connect with those guys even more. You yeah. know what I mean? The guys who yeah. were fans, like, you get it, man. Yeah. You get it. But when you he talk about the, the tears, shirt. yeah, right? You when know? you talk about the tears from him leaving, like the tears of him the return tears? Back were, oh, yeah. Were just as were just as much man that moment that moment where he took it in at the royal rumble that moment yeah. where he just stopped he's and looked looking around, around. Oh. and and he's even admitted that like I got the goose pimples again guys yeah man i mean he wasn't even he wasn't even going out there to do that but he just had to take that moment and we all saw that look in his face we've all had that look in our face when we've been like to a wrestling show that's as big as WrestleMania for the first time. And you like see how big it is. Overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was different level, man. It was him just realizing that this is happening. This is real. This is it. You know, I can remember when we ran into a floor uh, into each other on the floor in Dallas, dude, it's just like, Oh yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Look at us. Look at us. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, WrestleMania is just amazing because of the of the scope of it you know yeah. we we've all watched wrestling shows and well even he was at the royal rumble that's still a huge event you well know? that like, too I like yeah because it was at yeah. the it was at astros uh at the at the baseball field in, in houston <laughs> it's it's incredible you know yeah. it's 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 an overwhelming thing because that's a huge arena that fits a lot of people you know and, and just to have all those people out there cheering for you and for that moment to be real you're coming out strong josh this could potentially be moment of the year honestly the, the honestly yeah it, well so th- this isn't meant to be like a countdown of moments or anything I, sure. i'm literally just kind of like going back and then we'll, we'll catch back up to today sort of in chronological sure and- but going back to what beak was saying yeah you're right because of the fact that like this year has been stifled by you know covid and so yeah. the covid pandemic has made it hard to have moments like that that live up to that i think wrestling is just one of those things where the crowd and everything is so important to it so it it just none of that nothing else is going to feel that way because of the emotion and the crowd and everything that went into that moment that moment so special and we just didn't get many of those this year you know, it was such a short period of time. Wrestlers before it playing all fans up. is not the same. Wrestlers pretending to be fans no is shit. not the same. No. They're really bad at it. Mm. They don't get the chance I, right or nothing. I, for <laughs> one, am glad that, that we, we got much less of that as the year went on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that actually brings us to the next moment that I was going to mention is, yeah, we had Edge return at the Royal Rumble, a huge crowd, all that stuff. Uh, the next big thing in, Wrestlema- in WWE was WrestleMania. And WrestleMania had obviously a very different look this year. Uh, you know, it, it was a two a two night event. That's something that we've been sort of clamoring for for a while now. Um, but uh, you know, obviously there was no crowd, and this is before they even like tried to experiment with like wrestlers as a crowd. It was just no crowd, <laughs> empty arena. Um, some stuff worked, some stuff didn't. Uh, the cinematic matches, in particular, in my opinion, uh, at least at that event. Uh, We'll, we'll talk, I think, a little bit more about how they went as they went on. But, uh, yeah, overall, WrestleMania this year, it just wasn't the same. Uh, yeah, weird no, feeling. it wasn't. It wasn't. Absolutely not. It's fucking dumb. It's weird. It's dumb. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, I'm glad they figured it out, right? They had to figure something out to give a different atmosphere. Yeah. I'm still not really satisfied with what WWE particularly landed on mostly because of the weird white noise crowd noise that they use during you know their shows during right now like i don't like that i will say though that even that is better than the empty arena with nothing (laughs) it it was just not wrestlemania right yeah dude yeah the whole time you're just like okay this just feels off it doesn't feel like wrestlemania it even more so felt like just another show uh but i did like the cinematic matches i'm, I'm not gonna lie the, the cinematic match, matches were great yeah, yeah. that yeah. stuff was good and there i honestly i can't recall everything but i know there was probably a couple of good matches on the show but you still left feeling flat with no crowd and no it, gaga no there's we were all hoping for a gigantic pirate ship to oh, be there and hey, get anything like that jump off this, of it. this next year man it's it's well maybe <laughs> right? we'll see right um uh, no but you're right though like uh it's just it's such an important factor and you know i think even at the time we were like well you know at least they're gonna have it like yeah. without a crowd i mean whatever it's cool we can adapt to it i i I don't remember being able to really like pay attention much to anything, you know? So it kind of gave me the same experience sometimes being there in the arena where I'm just kind of like distracted by other stuff going on. I was distracted by other things that weren't wrestling because I just couldn't watch it without the crowd and without, you know, just that atmosphere. And you wanted to get super jazzed for Drew, but you're all, it's like, okay. I mean, like it almost felt like a four clone. It almost felt like it was expected that that was going to happen too. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of took it out. Ah, yeah. This year's WrestleMania was a kind of a bummer, right. but yeah. enjoyable on its own. And I guess yeah, it, it was sort of a little bit of both. Like I, I remember, I remember like in the in the week or two or three leading up to WrestleMania, like we were all speculating as to what exactly was going to happen. Uh, and to be honest, it was kind of a nice diversion because everything else at the time was, you know, yeah. where's COVID spreading? What were the cases like in your neighborhood? You know, all that yeah. other stuff. So 
it was know, a nightmare at the time and and yeah. then nothing else was going on all other sports everything else had halted it was so all it was... shut down yep the, the nba had shut down you know tom hanks got sick like this is this is the time frame when all that was going down oh, tom like, hanks you... got sick that was the end of the show that was shit. so like, funny how everyone got super concerned like hanks not hanks <laughs> not hanks i mean not honestly hanks. though too he got it early and mm-hmm. if he wasn't who he is like in and being able to get the type of medical attention he got that regeneron yep yep <laughs> fantastic uh but uh, but you, you mentioned jeremy and I, that, I think that's the the next point about i wanted to take us to is drew mcintyre the man of the people and this being the year of him um yeah, I think it's unfortunate that it's happened now. But at the same time, uh, you know, me speaking as someone who hasn't watched all of WWE particularly closely this year, just looking at what Drew McIntyre has done, won the Royal Rumble, which is obviously an amazing moment. Uh, winning at WrestleMania, as weird as it was, was still freaking huge and pretty damn cool. Uh, but then, you know, he's in his title runs he's defended against big show well, he beat brock lesnar to start with like let's not like gloss over the fact that brock freaking lesnar uh he defended against big show seth rollins bobby lashley dolph ziggler randy orton robert rude apparently I, I missed that one um and then now he's he's got it again you know he beat randy orton to take it back to become a two-time champion he's you know he defended against aj styles possibly the miz we'll see how that's qualified but I think it's been a heck of a run that they're putting together, all things considered. I, I'm I'm very excited to see him be the huge baby face that he seems to be in front of an actual crowd. I think that's the biggest thing is I'm really proud of the way that he's adapted to the situation. And I think it's unfortunate because I don't really feel like the the modern perception of him is valid without an audience i think he especially was getting really good at when when all of this started he was getting really good at getting the crowd behind him you know he had a lot of baby face qualities to him and he was just doing a great job at interacting with the audience uh this sucks because you know it's it's not a true indication of success in any way shape or form in pro wrestling without an audience you know even the viewing audience is kind of left a little bit, you know, confused by whether or not they liked what they saw or didn't like what they saw sometimes based on the fact that there's not a crowd. So the the crowd really, you know, just it, takes so much out of it. It's it's like the thing in sitcoms with laugh tracks and all that. It's like it's wait, stupid, you're, but... you're watching on TV and you're like, wait, was that funny? I don't know. Was I it? I don't know. I, need, I needed somebody to tell me if that was meant to be funny or not. Um, but I do think Drew's done an awesome job. And I think the one thing is, is that I feel like he's probably had to adapt quite a bit to this situation, which is only making him better. And when he's in front of an audience again, I think he's going to kill it. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those situations where he's, in some ways he's a very typical baby face right in the modern era you kind of have to come up with creative ways to to be a baby face uh john moxley arguably has been one of the best baby faces in pro wrestling because he wasn't a true baby face but he was a face you know what i mean and he was this gritty you know as we saw in that amazing black and white picture that's been going around lately as cigarette smoking jack daniels drinking motherfucker 
that was a champion and just hard fighting, doing the right thing at times, but just being that, you know, being very stone cold Steve Austin, like in his own way. You know, without Drew was being... a little bit edgier before the babyface run, but he hasn't gotten corny. Right. You know I mean, like he dropped yeah. some of the edge. Like they're not calling him the psychopath anymore. They're calling him the warrior. He's not as cocky, like dickish. He's still cocky, but like in a confident, yeah, champion type of way. So yeah, right. it's, you easily can become corny and hateable when you become the babyface champion. Right. I don't think that's, and that's happened not, to him. Right. And he's. And, and he's doing he's not doing it without result re- resorting to some of the stuff that moxley for instance does to be cool right which is cursing and drinking and doing some of that yeah. shit right mm-hmm. like that stuff's kind of obvious like you know it it still doesn't change the fact that moxley has been outstanding in his role and sure. has been exactly you know kind of what a baby face needs to be in the modern era you, you can't really do this white knight shit, you know, anymore. People just don't, it's too hokey. You know, people but want Drew's Batman, getting away they don't with want it somehow. Drew is getting away with it. And Drew, you know, really because Drew continues to have an edge to him, you know, yeah. just a slight edge, just something where he's he a little violent. He carries a sword. He's got two edges. That's the edge. <laughs> you son of a nice. bitch. That's the edge. Oh, I say things. You say funny things. Glad to have you on this podcast. <laughs> That's the moment of the year for me is adding oh, thank you, thank you to you this me. podcast. I oh, appreciate it. Oh, I love it. I love I have it. a Paul McCartney. <laughs> Where all these impressions are coming from. Uh, I do them normally but they always come spontaneously without <laughs> intending to do them. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, so yeah, I, I think we kind of like took Drew's moment back in April and we've extended it. You know, it, it is what it is and again i'm curious to see and i'm excited to see frankly i should say uh you know when we do have crowds again with him i would i Um, you know even like nxt has the audience behind the glass and the stuff like yeah i would just love to see drew in front of that like i remember for a period of time when they had people in the audience or whatever wherever drew was in front you know I, i i wasn't i mean wasn't there a period of time where raw had like people out I think, the, they had, I think they had the wrestlers out there for the a performance little bit. Center, yeah. right yeah and eric bugenhagen was one of the guys that was like playing air guitar out there yeah. when like drew would come out he'd be fucking hitting it all hard and i just remember drew like you know cheesing off that shit like i i just can't wait to see him be able to like jump into a crowd of people you know and just be that guy because that's really who he is and that's to be honest that's the key factor i think that's missing uh, in in everything with his with his championship is like he he's just as as Josh and I can attest to with him personally he's just the fucking nicest guy we've ever met in pro wrestling right and like yeah, that's just close. a quality of his that has yet to really come across because it can't because he needs to be badass and tough with wrestlers but man that guy would fearlessly jump into a crowd of people and fucking body surf all the way to the top of the arena if you could. <laughs> it's always yeah when you see fans losing their shit you're like oh, okay i can see what's going it's like Beatlemania. you yes. know all, everyone saw everyone going crazy for the beatles like there must be something about these goddamn beatles oh man when i saw yeah. people crying and shit i was like what the hell is their music <laughs> like is it addictive <laughs> am i going to be okay to listen to it 
<laughs> I guess going back, going back to April, um, just, you know, I want to take us all there mentally again. WrestleMania just happened. It was weird as shit. Uh, really a lot of places where we live like we we're under like a lockdown of sorts you know like we we were asked to not really leave the house not really do much of anything all the non-essential businesses were shut down like it was a time like things were hard we were going through emotions and shit and somewhere in the middle of that WWE's like uh we're gonna like fire 20 people and it just it was just a reckoning um and and it was madness like you know you mentioned some names earlier gallows and anderson we have rusev on the list zach Ryder, uh mike and maria although they probably wanted out anyways uh rowan and logan and ec3 leo rush kurt hawkins eric's eric young heath slater uh the, the list goes on uh mike kyoto is in there somewhere i think he would you know, they, they, there were people who were furloughed for a bit, but yes, they were eventually let go later in the year. Um, good handful have, have moved on. They've landed an impact. Some others have landed at AEW. Like, you know, there's that. But in that moment back in April, it was as a wrestling fan. And, and you talk about, you know, Drew and like how, how we've had our connections with him. And we've met a lot of these other guys too. And just, all of a sudden we're like shit man all these guys are out of work in this in this environment that was fucked up yeah it's fucked up because i think the feeling there was when you talk about at least in 2020 it was the first step towards me being like you guys don't really care about people you know i think a lot of these emotions started around you know like with like like a lot of people the saudi arabia stuff uh, then we saw their treatment of people who were accused abusers vary from person to person depending on their value to the company. It seemed like what what how how valuable they were was depending on if they would take action against certain people based on whatever you know accusations are being out there. Yeah, I don't really know because we don't get told the conclusion of some of this stuff, right? We have no idea, really, so we're just left to speculate about things like that. But these are where my feelings of resentment for WWE started to, you know, fester and and get bigger. A company that we later heard about how much in profits they were still making. Yeah, right. Yeah. Decided to release these people mid-pandemic knowing the awkward and terrible position it was going to put them in people who they poached you know essentially from other organizations other wrestling promotions because they were popular and making money for them at the time right when you talk about luke gallows and 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 anderson carl anderson uh when you talk about ec3 when you talk about a lot of these guys eric young these guys were all making money for some other promotion. You know, it's weird because now we're in a position where they've kind of fallen back into place. A lot of them with the same promotions they were with. And it feels right in a way, you know, uh, Mike and Maria being back with ring of honor feels right. Mike feels like, you know, he definitely wasn't being utilized in the, in the actual 
you know, way that he deserved to be utilized in WWE. And this is coming from someone that thought it was hilarious that he was being called Mike Kanellis in WWE. I thought that oh, was, was fucking, great. It was great. Yeah. I loved yeah. the, their song. I thought they had a great, you know, I thought it was off to a great start and they just never went anywhere with it, you know, which is the case with a lot of the people that were hired and introduced and asked to do some sort of fucking bullshit, you know, gimmick or (laughs) comedy thing. No way, Jose. Uh, They made reference to him tonight on NXT and apparently WWE was interested in bringing him back, so he might be coming back as oh, far as mental right. furlough workers. The, the, yeah, the, the ripple effects were widespread and they're still felt. People are going back to either their companies or finding new homes, uh, like Gal or Anderson going over to Impact with a great Rusev. move. Rusev on AEW, yeah, Rusev, great move. Great move. Uh, hopefully, they'll do more with him because. He's he clearly they know he's a tremendous talent. So let's get him out of this goofy you broke my video game angle. Uh that's dumb, but I will say this in in uh I don't like that, but I will also say I like the fact that they're just letting him be himself instead of a stereotypical foreigner gimmick or something where he's like a, a, a silent brute or whatever right sure. like th- they know we know who rusev is they know we've seen him on lana's videos and on total divas and all the other shit that he's been a part of right and we know he's hilarious and he's great and he's this very to be honest this very outspoken flamboyant individual that's quite funny he's you jovial. know he's jovial he's jovial and yeah. i i I feel like they're letting him be himself way more than oh, WWE certainly. did. Yeah. yeah. But it's also not always the greatest results. Like you said, with the stupid video game gimmick, it, it feels like too much. And it I don't like him feels... being with Kip Sabian. Like I, nothing to take away from Kip Sabian. It just seems like a weird to make him almost second fiddle to this guy who is it's a and it's lower yeah. mid card and not even right and it's a limited gimmick and their like entire relationship is based around video games and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that feels like to be honest that feels like a storyline that was probably pitched to them by kip sabian and rusev like that feels like they came up let's to do it, it together yeah but i honestly i'm i'm bummed that the wwe did it uh completely unnecessary as far as we could tell based off of how the reportings of their income was made but no shit it might have been the best thing for some people uh free of them the opportunity to go over to impact or mike going to roh reuniting the original kingdom uh i i don't know wwe hopefully hire some of those people back um those guys like the long-term guys that were there forever that's crazy to me like jerry briscoe like why you fire old ass jerry briscoe that's bananas and then he comes back nice enough for the whole pat tribute the biggest problem with the firings of everyone is it just felt like an opportunity for them to be like oh hey we have an excuse yeah you know that's really what it felt pandemic going on yeah instead of you know i don't know standing by some of your long-term employees cuts happen every year so I'm not I'm not surprised by that, but like Mike Chioda, for instance, that the one was timing. low. That yeah. one was low. You yeah. Know? 
and, and his his reaction as time has gone on you know that we've we've heard him talk about it and yeah it's it's a bummer and like as the year has gone on too like and it kind of brings us to i guess it was last month uh where they really started cracking down wwe on on the side hustles uh you know no more monetizing your own twitch and gaining a following and all that sort of stuff or you know all, all sorts of you know a lot of like the other things especially you know as especially this year like I feel like there's they should be allowed to to do certain things, um, but it's that whole thing where like they feel like they have to control every little bit of these people's lives who are contractors. By the way, uh, I think the 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 best thing to come out of at least this second part of the WWE being shitty to its uh, quote unquote employees slash contractors is the whole thing with Selena Vega specifically. Uh, as she left her famous final tweet uh, as a WWE employee, I support unionization and the, the ripple effects of that. I'm, I'm curious to see if that's going to have any impact next year and beyond. I don't know. What do, what do you guys think about that whole thing? Uh, I, think I think it sucks. Yeah, definitely. I think that these guys all make extra money based on the fact that they go into cities for all of these pay-per-views and they all have signing opportunities appearances where they make a cut of those signings i think when wwe travels and goes to raw and smackdown on every different night in a different city and goes to the big cities or whoever for the pay-per-views i think people don't factor in how much merch is bought and how they get a cut of that merch people are not just randomly going to WWE or shop WWE.com to buy merch the same way they do when they, uh, you know, recklessly purchase it at, at, at an event because they're there and they just want something from that event and they want to buy their kids something from that event. And they just, they're there. So they're, they're going to spend the money and they don't care how much it costs. It's a completely different vibe, a completely different feeling from the fans about being there at a live event all of this factors into the amount of money that these people are making. And they tried to supplement their income by starting up Twitch accounts where they could receive money from subscribers. And WWE needed to find a way to not only get in on that, but they, you know, they need to make it theirs. They can't just say, oh, hey, contractually, based on an agreement that you had that you signed, you owe us a percentage of the money that you make from this. And a lot of those people probably wouldn't be like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, I, I, I make a lot of money from it. So, I mean, I'm okay with giving you a percentage. You know, not to mention that they have to give Twitch a pretty decent percentage for running the show, you know? And it, it's, again, it's one of those things that each time WWE does something like this, not to me as a fan, because they've already fleeced us over and over as fans right not not, you're doing stuff now to your own employees the people who you have invested time in making me care about now you're treating shitty and i care about them because you made me care about them (laughs) and so now i hate you fucking more because you're treating the people you made me care about badly like it's such a weird situation i to me, I see why the WWE thinks because they created these characters that they 
are monetarily invested in it. So anything that they do outside should be something coming back to them. But guys, at some point in time, you have to let that go. These people in their own homes playing video games for fans to watch. It's them literally living their lives doing nothing but in entertaining themselves for the entertainment of other people. You guys don't benefit or you don't devalue or do not benefit from that. People watching that are going to go watch WWE. Exactly. It's, it's not going to take another form of take marketing. Away. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're working as marketers, like in that regard, they're, they're putting themselves out there as part of the brand. They're, they're not doing like bad things with it. You know, it, it's not like they're going out there and like, I don't know, like maliciously running... saying slurs or being crazy assholes. Yeah. Talking or, about or, QAnon. Or run... <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks. Um, I, I guess my my main thing, my main takeaway is I really do hope that something comes of it. You know, we 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 have Andrew Yang talking about it. He's you know kind of at a certain point in his political career. Uh, you know, we've had the Screen Actors Guild actually acknowledge things, yeah. um, and I, I like to I'd like to see if if their words, uh, particularly like. I think it was like the president of, of SAG uh, tweeted directly at Zelina Vega and was like, hey, we need to talk. Um, I, I hope that there's something real there and that they actually do take action. And it, it wasn't simply an empty thing on Twitter. And one of the main things, the distinction with the Zelina Vega thing is also the fact that she opened an OnlyFans and did so under a pseudonym like to hopefully avoid WWE knowing about it, which of course they're going to find out about it. I think maybe there's some sort of morals thing with them, maybe with an only fan situation that they might be able to press on the wrestlers, but still, why? Why yeah. do it? Like, yeah, you guys at some point in time have to let it go. Come on. I uh, feel like I feel like at times um, they are antagonizing them the like people into coming after them and and when it happens it's not going to be good for them so it's weird that they're antagonizing this shit it's it's literally stirring up a hornet's nest you know as far as they're concerned because they already have really questionable business tactics when it comes to having employees that they completely control as independent contractors right yeah employees that they don't have to provide benefits for and they don't have to you know care for the same way you would an employee versus an independent contractor i still come back around to the john cena thing and i just wonder how john cena became a person that was so willingly to open to say that he is okay with paying wwe you know for the use of his own name and i think that's the kind of brainwashing even at times that wwe does John Cena believes in his heart of hearts that he wouldn't be the person he is without WWE. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. But it's not to say that John Cena didn't do that for John Cena, right? Like John Cena worked hard. John Cena was dedicated. John Cena fucking got his body into a godlike shape and was able to squat the fucking big show. WWE didn't squat big show. John Cena squatted big show, right? 
that yeah, got right. him over not wwe you know wwe might let him be in that position and they might have put him in that you know at times but they've done that with a lot of people and they still didn't deliver john cena delivered so it's weird to have this this stance where i understand where john cena is coming from i am a person that appreciates what companies you know and opportunities have done for me personally i appreciate the fact that joshua schlag sat next to me in fucking google lenses one day fucking looking like a tool and let me come on and be a part of this podcast eventually oh i did look look like a tool i don't know i need to take a swipe (laughs) um but you know like it's 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 things like that that sometimes you do have to appreciate the fact that you wouldn't be somebody without them (laughs) i think the problem is that a lot of these pro wrestlers especially the ones wwe has acquired as of late zelina vega and aj styles they would be somebody without the wwe these aren't nobodies that fucking came up to wwe begging and with no experience and got trained by them and turned into wrestlers so that's something that john cena has that he could say about wwe they made him when it comes to that these people aj styles fucking zelina vega they made a name for themselves before they came into wwe they just became something else when they were in wwe or aj styles didn't even have to change his fucking name but yeah like you That's know dangerous. I mean? John Cena's attitude attitude is dangerous. It's very other people dangerous. other people will choose to have that mentality because they feel like they don't fall in line, then that's detrimental for their career. Well, and, and they and they look up to someone oh, like him, right? Like exactly. he's somebody to look up to in this business. Yeah. So for him to have that attitude just is kind of a it's a brainwashed bootlicker attitude to the corporation. Yep. Also, but, we have, we have to end this show with you saying, remember, John Cena squatted the big show. That's like, right. I was, you said it so it, it was amazing I mean that's the, thing, that's the thing about it like I still remember that night as a fan like I don't remember a lot of nights as fans like I don't remember events I don't remember nights where I could be like man I was here at this person's house watching it it was a wife's friend that from work that watched wrestling and we got all excited because she was like hey i know somebody from work who watches wrestling and they want us to come over and watch survivor series and that was the event that fucking john cena squatted big show at and i'll just never forget it because we celebrated when he did that shit in her living room like somebody had won the super bowl we were all (laughs) up and down and shit fucking people were throwing chips and fucking it was wild it was a fucking celebration oh it was nuts it was nuts and so like those are moments that wwe doesn't deliver anymore or i mean i don't know if they can deliver in front of a empty arena you know it's it's a cool moment that is paired strongly with the fact that there was a crowd full of people there also cheering Beat got frozen in the most wonderful way right now where he sure did oh man it's so good I think he's gone, and that's amazing. I don't even want him to come back. I just want to look at that picture of him with his eyes closed, smiling for the rest of the time. Uh, I just oh, took a but, screenshot of it. All yes. right, we'll we'll see if Beat comes back. Um, in, in the meantime, and I'll 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 walk things back a little bit later if I need to, uh, depending on his internet connection. Um, but in the meantime, so we we touched upon it a little bit. 
but just the way that things are presented, we've got the Thunderdome now. We've got the Capital Wrestling Center at NXT. Um, we've got like some stuff that's like sort of hybrid, like the Capital Wrestling Center, where they actually do have some ticketed fans in attendance at, at those shows. Uh, we also have AEW at Daly's Place uh, outside of the football stadium. They've been doing their thing there. They've been letting fans in to various degrees for a while now. Um, I mean, it, it's it's Florida, so it, things are kind of fast and loose down there with, with everything as far as COVID goes. Uh, and, you know, whatever the relationship might be with WWE and the local government there. Um, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is uh, WrestleMania was supposed to take place in Tampa and... <clears throat> You know, now it's scheduled to take place in Tampa in 2021. Uh, I guess that pushes the Los Angeles WrestleMania back another year. Uh, there are going to be fans at WrestleMania. It's gonna it's gonna be outdoors. It's, they're probably gonna build a big old thing like they wanted to with the pirate ship. Uh, I don't imagine they're gonna pack that place with 80,000 people. Um, but uh, there will be fans, and there's, there's going to be something. Uh, it, I'm curious to, to, to just, like, put myself in the future and be like, at what point does it, does it feel normal again? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, it, there's, there's going to be something different between what they're doing now and when WrestleMania occurs. I, I just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird things where we're just going to, like, start coming out of the woodworks again and returning to normal life. <laughs> yeah i mean it's weird man i i know i haven't been the safest person so i'm not the best person to speak on this um i've still been living normal life at random times it doesn't mean that i don't go a month trapped in my house in between some of those moments but every once in a while i have a reckless moment where i break out i've used reckless three times on this podcast by the way and i'm really excited about that um i just have a moment where i break out and do something that i probably shouldn't and i just I find myself being that person that just says, I don't care. I think that's why I get that. I don't, um, I don't villainize a lot of people for having the attitudes they have. I don't villainize people for necessarily being impatient or anxious or wanting this whole thing to be over. I, I really yeah. just, I, I think we all do. I think the thing is, is that some people don't realize that. I think some people think, the rest of us that are going along with it are complacent and that we're sheep or whatever and that they're the only ones thinking that the, no we're all fucking thinking but none of us want the mask it all sucks we all don't want to wear the mask at all all that's bad okay um but like i i had a night that uh, as some of our viewers from derek and tim eat snacks may know where tim really um attacked me for like three days straight for having this night and it was worth it. It was, you know, it's kind of like in this old Sinbad standup where he said, you know, don't take an 11 p.m. beating. If you're going to take a beating, take a 5 a.m. beating. Stay out all night and earn that beating, right? And I did because I went to medieval times. I ate fucking chicken with my bare hands. I rooted for the Green Knight, who fucking won, by the way. It was incredible. I'm looking for my Green Knight flag right here. It is fucking Green Knight. He was the fucking young buck. Uh, dude came out wearing horns on his goddamn fucking night. I was fucking doing young buck, young buck chants all night long. It felt, I felt alive, Josh. 
it was the first time i mean i've done things during this pandemic where i've gone out i have not felt alive for a single night until this night going Man, out Med- medieval times is essentially a pro wrestling show oh it's so great. armor and shit yeah but the first hour you get dancing horses and a meal you don't get that shit at a wrestling show fucking prancing horses doing tricks fucking crossing their legs no but we should no we totally should we've just found a way to improve the thunderdome um but yeah no i mean that that's it is is i think we're all looking for the opportunity for this to return into some sense of normalcy and i think it's gonna be a little bit at a time until we're just all back to doing it uh it was great to see i I think it was a, a concert in new zealand where they because they had like they had had so many days without a single case of covid so they were allowed to like resume normal activities yeah. so they plan uh, an outdoor festival concert our, they went our friend our friends in australia I, I i mean it's not life as normal but it's a lot closer to it than the shit that we've had for the last nine months yeah it sucks because yeah it comes down to like people turn things into weird black and white issues and like sometimes literally uh but also like as far as this goes it's either like you're all in on it and yeah like you said you're a sheep or or you value all of your personal freedoms and all these other things and like uh, we can we can hate it but also just deal with it and do it because it is for the best and if we all did it look at fucking australia new zealand and and japan they've got some things going on with with their wrestling shows like uh, yeah it is what it is at this point we've we finally got to the point where we we do have vaccines coming um you know i think that was that was that was for me was the first sign that things are returning to some sense of normalcy when we see all these people getting the vaccines having it happen you know just and and people that we we know now like if i i you know certain you know if you know some people work at a hospital or whatever like all of a sudden these people are all getting it and it's like oh yeah my my friend's wife and then this person's like this is real it's happening yeah it's real it's happening right you know like it, it doesn't feel so far off but uh i will say that i give wwe a lot of credit i think that a lot of a lot of different businesses a lot of especially entertainment businesses had to figure out a way to operate you know yeah a lot of networks had to figure out shows to plug in when they can't go back to resuming a normal shooting schedule for their shows uh game shows became extremely popular uh for some reason and and easy to do i guess in a pandemic and and wwe found a really good way to like bring the excitement of the crowd back to you know an arena i thought that their solution was pretty good i really like the thunderdome concept i like all of the effects everything cool that they do with it Uh, i think the only thing like i said earlier that i'm not a big fan of is the unnecessary need to have like this piped in white noise like i feel like i i've I've saw a thing on the nfl doing crowd noise at at a thing and their crowd noise is so much better. Yeah. How is it at this point they haven't brought in somebody from like the NFL or paid somebody a ton of money that can do crowd noise better? It, it's almost indicative of like, you know, the the 50 cuts that they have to do during an episode that we've complained about for so long. 
it's like I'm, i feel like even they know at this point that it's bad but they're just like oh well it's just what we do now at this point same thing with the crowd noise it's like well this is the crowd noise we have so like there's no improving it like it, it continue to innovate and find ways to make the show better the crowd noise is awful and it needs improvement and it's really the big thing that's holding this back from being a you know enjoyable experience if, if if they were to figure it out at this point it's too late so <laughs> it's too late right it's way too late but anyway it's i still enjoy the thunderdome i was part of the experience one time that part wasn't too enjoyable just because of the fact that they once again needed to overproduce the scenario i did like being you know in the thunderdome and being one of the people on tv and stuff that was cool i didn't like the producer shouting at me all the time about what i needed to do you know, and it wasn't like react or let's hear it, you know, get, tell me how you, you know, it was always like, yeah, let's, let's, let's let them hear you, you know, tell them you love them and stuff like that. Like it was always like this very directed and, and like, if it was a bad guy, he'd be like, all right, let's hear you. Let's hear those boos and stuff like that. Like, let's see those thumbs down. So that's why when you're watching the Thunderdome and you see a bunch of generic people in the crowd. Oh being, yeah same time it's because those motherfuckers are being told exactly what to do by a producer unnecessarily you know that's the shit that once it takes once again takes away from the natural you know uh way of of a crowd reacting you know terrible you just can't control people like that you know i think it was the wild west early on when we had people showing up in fucking you know clan outfits and shit whatever other rumors we saw or whatever things reportedly that there people were are, right? people are gonna try and get away with shit on live tv and it it's, doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether you're calling in through zoom or showing up live in the crowd like people are gonna try correct. and get away with shit so. i think it's gonna be worse on zoom just because you're just sitting in your house just doing some shit there are no repercussions to that right. whereas just if you did in real stand up and be wearing your underwear you know whatever <laughs> that kind of thing Oh, goodness. Uh, all right. Um, so just a couple other things I wanted to bring up before we wrap this year up, essentially. Uh, the next one, we talked a lot about Drew McIntyre, but on the other side of the coin, uh, we did mention, I guess, when you were talking about TLC, but the whole thing with Roman Reigns, man, like, it's been a hell of a ride. Um, I it's one of those things where like we you know they never turned cena um and and we always just wondered what if what what would happen if they actually did that and roman reigns you you mentioned him like as a baby face becoming you know i i don't think he specifically said his name but when you said like baby faces have that danger becoming corny and all these other things the roman reigns just pops into my head because i'm like it got tired. It was always the same. He said stupid stuff that was fed to him. And it was just like, ah, uh, he seems energized. And he, it seems like this is something that he's maybe wanted to do for a while. I mean, we always hear that professors have the most fun as heels, but yeah. damn man, like he's owning it. Being a baby face is lame. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I think about it from my perspective as, uh, a very part-time pro wrestling manager. Very. very I don't part-time. I don't know what I would do as a baby face manager. Like I don't know what I would do. I'd go out there and be like, yeah, this guy. Yeah. Like I don't fucking know. But every idea I have is a way to fuck with the crowd, you know, 
the whole coming out and fucking throwing, you know, uh, throwing streamers for a guy that uh, just me not letting the fans touch it, you know, coming out with a bottle of hand sanitizer before everybody touches my champion's hands, you know, all the ideas I have are, are geared towards antagonizing people and being a dickhead. Like, I guess that's just me at my core, but I, I don't know what to say other than I, I just, I think it's boring. I think being a, a baby face is boring. And I think everybody loves being a heel. I think that no matter how long you've worked in wrestling, you've already had experiences of kind of being fake if you're trying to be liked, you know, versus being a heel, you could just really lean into your real feelings about like, I don't know, any situation versus, you know, having to hold back in any way. It's just great. Yeah, totally. It's fun. You know, I, I, this is different though. This is like what was meant to be. And again, what I said earlier was, I, I don't know if this was a situation where we would feel the same way had we not gone through that period of time of Roman being forced on us and just sure. forming this general opinion about him. But this just is such a natural, perfect fit for him. He embraces it, and you're absolutely right. Energized by it seems to be the perfect word because he's just so into it, and he's so into the character. Like, it, it just, it's perfect. I mean, yeah. it feels personal. It feels real. Uh, Paul Heyman there, the way he turned Jay Uso – everything is leading down a path for this just to keep snowballing and getting bigger yeah. and better as it goes along. It, it doesn't feel like something at this point that at least for me, I can see a, a point in, in, you know, within the next foreseeable future where this is going to get stale, where this is going to be boring, where this is going to be something that we get sick of seeing I feel like heel Roman Reigns has legs that could run for miles and miles, you know, and have really does f feuds with all sorts of different people. I, I mean, like so far, it, it there, there hasn't been a lot. Like he hasn't been feuding with a lot of guys, um, and, and it's mostly just been like laying the groundwork for his relationship with the Usos and and with Paul at the same time. Like there's right. a lot of complexities there. And at the same time, now he's starting to branch out. He, they're throwing in a Kevin Owens, and I don't know what's next. But like, yeah, it, they could do this for a while, and and it's it's really refreshing because you know, for the longtime listeners of this podcast, and you know, probably like-minded wrestling fans, like we know that we've gotten frustrated in the past where it's just become you know, like champions have runs, and it seems like monster of the month, and like just going from blah to blah to blah but like there's no long-term arc and we're, it's like why should we care why should we become invested every new rivalry that he has seems to just you know develop his character a little bit more and you start to see another side of him a little bit and it just keeps on going like that shit is awesome i love when we see that and i, I understand that they can't do that with everything but i, I love that they're giving this the attention that really deserves it's incredible and you're right like that's the problem where it withdrew at times with his championship run is that's just what it felt like felt like drew was just this champion and they were going to feed him person after person and until he got to randy orton it didn't felt like there was a single actual viable competitor 
you know, and yeah. Randy Orton became that. And then Randy Orton eventually did beat him, you know? So it was like, yeah, eh, felt that felt, felt like that was the person who was going to do it. You know, sure. um, it just didn't, it, you're right. It didn't have that same level of intrigue. It doesn't have that same level of story building. I haven't seen this in a long time when it comes to a champion, because typically when someone becomes a champion, we've already seen that story played out, which is how they got there. Right. They fast forwarded to his championship reign so quickly that there was no story built. It was just this, you know, asshole coming out, not even wrestling the whole match, waiting until these two guys beat each other up for, you know, a good 15 minutes before he even shows his face in the match. And then he just comes in like he did at the previous show and just kind of wants to fucking rain down upon everybody and clean up the mess and take walk off with the championship. He did exactly that. And ever since then, he's just been this ruler, this king. I think that lack of needing to tell that build up to him winning the championship was a big part of why we get to see this story unfold now slowly before our eyes as the champion that sudden championship acquire acquisition wouldn't have been possible without his pedigree right which is those years of him being champion over and over again before yeah. he got to this point that's true and disappearing for a little bit taking enough of a break where it made even the most staunch roman reigns hater go yeah i kind of miss him a little bit and then that's the minute that he fucking showed his face again. But this time, as the badass, arrogant, dominant eel that many of us always wanted to see, you know, it's it's been a joy to watch. And it's been easily the best thing WWE has done storytelling wise this entire year. Yep. Um, this is Sami Zayn being a close second to that because Sami Zayn's amazing. But that's just because... Sami Zayn's True. fucking awesome, and he does, you know, everything. And, it, it, you know, Sami Zayn is giving us what you want, which is a character and a story and making everything into something. And I love Sami Zayn. There, there's a solid core of wrestlers on the roster this year who are taking the opportunity that, that COVID is presenting them and running with it. Yeah, there's Roman Reigns, there's Randy Orton, there's... I'd say to, to a fair degree, Drew McIntyre. Um, and I, I would also, you know, you throw Sami Zayn in there. I'd, I'd say Bailey as well. Uh, her heel turn is one that I would not have necessarily expected. And she has run with that pretty nicely, I think. Like she's I love Aunt really... Pam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's right? the best. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it, it's been one of those things where it's like, well, how the heck are they going to make her any different? Cut the hair off. Okay. That's right. Got Cut it. Cut the hair off. Change the and music. Call everybody a ding dong. <laughs> exactly. Like, she's still kind of like that, you know, she's still kind of that same dork, but now she's like got power and she's angry. She's, she, yeah. she's an angry Karen and she has power. She's the dork that's like at school who like insults you and you're like, Really? Is she have room to talk? Wait, what the fuck? Why didn't she just call me a fucking dig dong? Yeah, no, she's great. And she continues to be great. Sasha continues to be great. I think that oh, they're... Yeah. I, I still think at times that you know, they suffer from being spread too thin between the two shows and having two different rosters and all of that. I think that they strongly also 
um, kind of shoot their, themselves in the foot with this ecosystem where they expect us to be excited about the Raw SmackDown crossovers or when NXT people show up or anything like that. Yeah. It's never going to have the same impact, Ao, as mm-hmm. AEW crossing over to Impact as we saw with their champion Kenny Omega becoming the talk of the world recently. You know, that kind of stuff that AEW has the potential to still do is still so much more exciting than anything WWE could ever do. It doesn't matter who they work with. Um, even small companies, which you could consider Impact a small company. But if AEW crosses over and starts working with Ring of Honor, that's fucking awesome. If AEW out of nowhere just picks up and starts fucking being like, hey, we're going to go attack Defy Wrestling in the Northeast or Northwest, we'd be like, hell yeah, that's fucking cool. You know, New Japan could definitely be on the radar of AEW, and I'm still a strong believer that we're going to see that that partnership. Yeah, I I believe that's the end game to all of this. Like, I I see the Kenny Omega stuff, and I, I see Don Callis involved, and I'm just like, He's going to be the belt collector, man. They're, it's they're the, still, yeah, and, and it's the expedition of gold, but better than ever. Basically, he's going yeah. to literally go across all wrestling promotions that aren't WWE and yeah. wear all their championship belts. Well, and and none of these guys, to my knowledge at least, are you know, it's not like they left New Japan on bad terms, uh, and so I I I have no reason to rule any of this out. Uh, and and honestly, it's the thing that gets me the most excited about an alternative to WWE, which honestly, I, I think just long term, I personally just kind of need it, at least until the elder McMahons have have moved on. Um, literally, I guess I could say, because yeah. uh, we know that Vince is never going to quit his job. He's never going to quit. He's going to die in that fucking chair and gorilla with a headset on. Yeah, and you know, pour one out to the things that he accomplished, but also be like, all right, we're on to a brand new day, man. It sucks because they have this hold over the wrestling industry as a whole, you know, and they really do control things, they dictate things, they even influence other businesses to run in a similar way that they do because you can't argue with it. They've had success, you know, instead, there's a different, better way, and I think AW has been consistently trying to do things in a better way but it's hard because it's you you just can't it's hard to break out of the established way that that wrestling shows and things are done and and it takes time for them to kind of you know move in that direction i also think that they are a little i don't know i think they're a little cowardly and i think they're a little bit like a politician who promised a lot in the election and then once elected, now they're going to kind of ease off on some AEW, of those policies yeah. that they were so strong on. So yeah. I'm, I'm not completely freeing AEW of blame, but I also know that Rome wasn't built in a day. And I know AEW is just trying to do things in a better way. Uh, they've tried to take care of their talent in a better way, and it seems like they are. Yep. It seems like everybody's getting paid very well and is happy. They've said that they're going to give an opportunity to young, you know, undiscovered talent. And holy shit, I mean, Danny Limelight 
from who I interviewed on my minutes with the mayor podcast just a you know a couple months ago. Yeah, is now getting opportunity on AEW Dark versus Phoenix, right? Dude, like all, the all way that guys. on Dark that they fucking you know give guys a shot. It's just super cool. Yeah, like like it it's literally made stars, and and I feel like some it, it hasn't always been the plan with a lot of these guys. Like they've just they they've had an opportunity on Dark, they got attention, and it's like yeah, okay, now we actually need to do something with this guy um i forget the the guy's name i think he was based out of texas we've seen him in arizona a handful of times he's now uh, ricky around. starks yeah ricky starks. ricky starks is amazing on Dude. tv like he was made for tv right and like he, we all, knew I that always, we were in phoenix like the first you and i had I that him. conversation one time about me telling him that he yeah. was like the only guy there that was like ready for the big time yeah. because he just seemed on a different level at that time just so much better than all the other talent at the show you know he, he yep. stood out like a sore thumb when it came to his you know level of talent and his character and, and, and charisma, charisma and just yeah. everything yeah that, that dude had presence and i'm i'm stoked to see like opportunities like that come about um yeah i i guess I, i'm i'm in a similar boat as far as AEW. like you know obviously we're all excited when it first started when the word got out and all that stuff and they were doing like the special events um uh, and then after a while i kind of just backed off and i'm i haven't kept a super close eye on them either i think just in general i walked back but uh i i do like the things they're doing and yeah the stuff with impact right now it feels almost like a to a degree sort of like an nwo ish thing where they're sort they're sort of like just you know putting their hands on another another brand or whatever um the, the little commercials with the tonys they're like, fucking awesome they're awesome it's, it's dude. Fantastic everything stuff they're, doing they're doing is so fucking good uh my honestly one of my favorite things was scott demore just being super excited about it like amp just marking out about it and being like the ratings are through the roof like, what's there to be sad about? This is great. Like, everybody should be happy. We're all getting more eyes on the product. You know, like, just such a real reaction, you know, to that. That's yeah. sort of fucking weird storyline thing where someone's like, oh, what are these guys doing here? I'm a man. You know, like, to, to a degree, we got that from Rich Swan at the end when they wouldn't let him go out the same door that, yeah. the, you know, Kenny's thing was. But that was just more of a disrespect for the champion and showing how much they were just shitting on Impact and Impact's champion, Rich Swan. I, I found the entire thing to be incredible. I think there's some criticism that I could throw Impact's way about how they handled the night, considering they knew so many eyes would be on the product. But the storyline yeah. and everything that they're doing has been super fucking cool. And AEW is finding a way to really hit their rhythm with these guys that I think that they were scared to do this stuff with early on because everybody would have screamed nepotism. Everybody yeah. would have screamed like, oh, the Young Bucks have the title. Oh, you gave the title to Kenny Omega out the gate. Oh, come the fuck on. You know, that's what everybody would have said because these are the guys that built AEW essentially. It, it, it took time to kind of lay the groundwork and do other things before they could move in this direction. But heel kenny omega is going to be damn near the best thing in wrestling next to roman reigns and he might even surpass roman reigns for excitement when it comes to what he does because he's an incredible wrestler he's an incredible character and i can only imagine where these fucking two together him and don Callis, are, are gonna go when it comes to this 
situation, this pairing. Totally. Yeah. It just from my perspective of, you know, 2020 has been a hell of a ride. Uh, WWE's found ways to make things work, but really AEW, like with what they've done, uh, both with bringing up their young talents, like really getting to a point where they're showcasing their core talent of, of Kenny and, and whatnot. Um, but then you also to tell like, me new Japan wouldn't jump at the opportunity to get Kenny Omega back in any capacity at this point with how much those fans already know and fucking love him. Are you shitting me? Yeah, of course. And you know, with Moxley as the North American champion still to this day and like all that, like there's, there's interminglings and things that they're going to want to figure out. Um, All that stuff going on on top of that, they, they found a way to bring sting into the fold and have it be not terrible, at least so far uh interesting at the very least like they're they're doing a lot of things that are i i think are going to get a lot more eyes on them um not not just pro wrestling fans i mean maybe some pro wrestling fans like me who are a little bit uh i don't know waiting for wwe to do something better as a as a person as a company i don't know uh but uh i want to say something and i want you to realize this you are not waiting for anything. You you are a scorned wrestling fan, and your wrestling fandom will never be the same as it was because I think you are a good person, and I think you have a moral issue, much like I do, with a lot of the shit that WWE has done, especially over the last year. And I yeah. really feel like when I hear you say stuff, even at its core, you want to blame storytelling and other shit. But I don't think that's it. I think no. you, like it's easier for me to just say fuck this rather than keep getting disappointed by shit like the corporation fucking over its wrestlers or, I don't know, some of our favorite performers being fucking abusers in some way, shape, or form. I know that was a big turn off yeah, for me over the last weird. fucking year as well, right? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. It sucks what happened to wrestling over the last year. It needed to happen. Uh, you know, it needed to happen. Yeah. People needed to be outed. The The way people are treated, the way that the slimy behavior continues to go on from one city to the next, one training session to the next, you know, one wrestling school, quote unquote, to the next. It needed to stop. But it also, you know, it just, it, it doesn't leave you in a position to feel like, all right, we cleaned up all the vermin. I'm ready to get back to enjoying the wrestling. No, this whole thing just feels a bit tainted and a bit dirtier than it did before, you know? Yeah. Uh, and at the same time too, I'm, I'm still excited to see this young, you know, these young guys doing stuff. I'm still excited to see wrestling done in a different way. AEW makes me really excited. I don't know. You know, I think, there's nobody more perfect to uh, be a metaphorical, you know, example of 2020 than Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is absolutely problematic. Chris Jericho always does something right after he does something amazing and cool. He does something to instantly make me regret loving him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such an up and down with that guy, right? At the very least, I will say Chris Jericho is true to who he, who he is as a person he's unapologetic and he will do whatever the fuck he wants and not really care about the consequences 
he'll have people on there that are flat earthers on his podcast and entertain the ridiculous idea of a flat earther or you know sometimes even worse you know but at the same time jericho is who he is because he is a pretty open-minded individual that at the end of the day seems to give a lot of people their you know their their opportunity to you know have a voice or or say their piece or whatever it's just at the same time kind of reckless fourth time uh to be doing it it's more than four (laughs) is it more than four uh uh, to be you know allowing some people have a voice you know i don't know it's a weird time i had this moment where i had to explain to a friend uh to her sister why i unfriended her on facebook and that's kind of a very similar situation just because um you know she was a person that spread a lot of like coronavirus is a hoax theories but she would put it out there in ways like you know we're all thinking about it but nobody's really saying it and it's like yeah no nobody's fucking thinking it uh, we're i wasn't thinking it until i scrolled through and saw you saying well everybody's thinking it and i'm like nobody's thinking it but now you have me thinking about it and i don't want to waste my goddamn time when so many people have died and are sick from it fucking even entertaining the idea that this shit is a hoax get the fuck out of here i'm done with your shit so like my theory there was i i unfollowed her and unfriended her on facebook so that i could remain friends with her because by not seeing her post and stuff I'm not forming this bad opinion, right? Yeah, dude. I stopped listening to his podcast. Same. His podcast was bad, but I just couldn't take the advertisements and the shit that all made me slowly start to dislike Jericho because I felt like he was giving a voice to people that didn't deserve it. And honestly, his ads just seemed like they kept getting longer and longer. Oh, and they're the worst. But but like Jericho on AEW is so enjoyable. And I love his theme song. And he's just so much fun to watch. It's one of those moments where I kind of selfishly just disconnect the person from the thing and just watch them as the performer. As, As Beak would say if he was here, the art from the artist. The art oh, is yeah. this thing, and the if art we, is this thing, and I can we, just appreciate. If we art. wanted to, yeah, if we wanted to go back to the last century of, of actors and actresses and athletes and all these people that like we hold up on a pedestal and like we actually had a conversation with them and got to know them and the things that they stood for and all that, we'd be like, whoa, you know, like it's it's the thing that i've come to realize I've, in 2020 um at the very least is this whole i don't know you always you, you hear the the phrase ignorance is bliss and i i always heard that in like a condescending way you know from like a you know a, a leader talking to you know a, a tyrant talking to like the peasants yeah. you know ignorance yeah. is bliss like this is yeah. what you want um but like in a lot of ways it is like there's there's restaurants i can't go to anymore because they're anti-maskers or they you know they they have they still believe trump might have won the the election but like the, you know, and then i've seen You're like god damn it but they make such a good hoagie like yeah no i mean dude, it's, the, I, I 
the so far the best cinnamon roll and the best pizza I've found in Boise. Like both of them, like I'm, oh, I'm, they're not getting any more of my money. But however, I will say that Albertsons makes a pretty damn good cinnamon roll. So I'm oh, kind Josh, of over the other one. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart because I know you and you don't go to Albertsons for anything. You would go to like the most hole in the wall bakery that no one ever hey, heard of here. I, you would show me, and it would be the best cinnamon roll I ever I, had. I, I, li- I live in, in the city of the whole of the headquarters of Albertsons now, and so when I go to Albertsons, like it's oh, does that make it better? Does that make it better? Different because the boss is looking right over their shoulder. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not. I like, don't think it, that's a bad theory. I'm just saying Albertsons has a legit bakery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, but like if if I didn't have to know like these shitty stances that people have, like I don't I don't need to know this the political stance of the guy that's brewing the IPA that I really love. Yeah. I mean, if if they are good people and they support good things, then yeah, I do love hearing those stances. But like, there's a lot of like shitty, dangerous things out there, and like, it's it's not the time to yap your mouth about that stuff. And 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 I wish I wish that I could just not know some of those things, and I wish that I could Especially not know the things that WWE has done and all. Right, that, you know, right. Especially small businesses during a pandemic. Like, it's a weird thing to take a stance now when your stance should really be business right i mean it's kind of that old adage that people that were way smarter than us once told us when they said you know don't talk politics or religion in mixed company and the reason why is because people get really fucking unnecessarily erratically angry and just completely you know divisive over those issues right there's two people who could be you know totally having a great conversation or whatever and be like hey, i'm christian what are you oh muslim and it's like oh we need to fucking hate each other now ah you know like it's so fucking weird how that shit can fucking pop it's, off you know it's the same god too like if, if if you go and like the origin of those religions muslim and, and christian it's they're it's all the same god they just split off in different directions at some point more, more importantly it reminds me of this time when i was high on my mind and drug on drugs and I watched George Carlin tell me that, you know, do you really think God is this little man in the sky watching everything you do? And I instantly felt like a small child finding out, um, you know, the other (laughs) thing for the first time, right? Like, it's, it's just one of those things that at times you're like, I can't believe how people let these weird things run their lives, right? Religion, politics, these are things that, you know, you, you, you have to be aware of, you know, you have to, have your faith you have to do your thing that respects whatever you want to do whether you want to you know when you whether you want to practice a religion or you don't what religion you want to practice you're completely in control of that same thing with politics but the problem is is that these things dictate your decisions in life from that point so just because you want to follow a certain faith now that faith dictates your decision making on your other stuff that you might feel personally differently about because you might have a reason to politics is the same way these things are bad because of the fact that they dictate your life in a way where you don't no longer have control over it right you had a say in which political party you followed or which religion you followed but now what you're following those now they're like all right well now you have to um you know you have to 
be against taxes is an abortion and then you have to be against all this stuff and you're like well no i mean like actually i have a reason not to be no no you have to be against that stuff that's the way it is these are the things that yeah, we do, right yeah. so that's 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 a big problem with all of that shit but then like i said people just get erratically upset and unnecessarily divisive over these issues and it's the reason why i just don't understand why in a million years like a small business would fly a trump flag out front or whatever feel how you feel i'm not saying you can't this is america but also be smart about your business you know if i was busing you know if I, or I was waiting on tables and i was relying a lot on tips you sure as fuck that i'm not gonna fucking go over there and start a fucking argument with someone about some shit whatever you believe is what i believe pal yep you you like the raiders i love the raiders my dad was a raiders fan what can i get you <laughs> that's the fucking way i would be you know why because more than any of that shit i love money josh i love <laughs> money more than politics and religion combined can't wait to sell out i'm still waiting for the day for this podcast to lead to me selling out you know but still hasn't happened after all these years anyway um thank you guys so much for listening so far i think we lost beak permanently unfortunately he is having an internet outage in his area and he's sending us pictures of that because i think he doesn't think we believe him but we oh, love you beak and we believe you um and i think it's time for winners of the week I don't know how we handle this. Do we do winners of the uh, year at this point, Josh? I mean, I, didn't, is that... even, I, I didn't even think this far ahead. Um, I really feel like we should do winners of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think we gotta do our year-end Slammy Awards. No, we'll just we'll we'll just pick one. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, hmm. I think I'm I gotta gonna, go. Oh. Uh, no, no, please, please. No, you were about to go. So please, I will. I, I felt like you were struggling there for a minute and then you started. So go ahead. Give me your winner of the year. I, I got to go Roman Reigns. I really do for all the reasons we previously said. I, I don't need to add any more to it. I, 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 might, I might buy a Roman Reigns shirt at some point. I don't know. I got to see what they have these they have days. Some good shirts. He's got but some I'm, good shirts. I'm interested. You know why? Because the shit's cooler now, right? It's not the fucking... It's not... You know, like really when you think about it, you know, like the big dog thing. Yeah, we were calling him the big dog kind of as a nickname, but like, you know, the whole thing just kind of grew out of control and it kind of grew as a rivalry thing with the Undertaker about whose yard was it? And it's the big dog's yard. yard and then that wars. just that that the yard wars. That's a no, that's a classic steel cage bit God, right we there. We should have made that into a shirt. Yeah, we really should have. But anyway, they, you know, <laughs> that's that's kind of part of that is like they never really evolved him out of that until this now. And now they have him as the tribal chief, the head of the family, head of the table, all of this shit. And it's all fucking awesome because it's new, it's different, it's fresh. You're absolutely right. I'm piggybacking on yours and I'm giving Roman Reigns my winner of the year. I can't think of another better winner. I mean, to be 2020, honest, man. Who 2020 figured? has been such a fucking weird year, man. And absolutely out of nowhere, Roman Reigns came into our lives. And, you know, I, I like you said, there, there's no more to say, but the storytelling has been the thing that's been the best. Everything he's done, even the gold gauntlet is just chef's kiss. You know what totally. I mean? Like they've just done everything to really make him in to, they, they leaned into the whole thing of him being like, the chosen one the golden boy they just went hard into that but they did it without the wwe's involvement you know that's the cooler thing about it is there isn't like a triple h character or a vince character 
over Roman being like, yes, we did choose you. No, it's like Roman did it on his own with Paul Heyman and he took it. No one was giving it to him. He just took it and now it's his and he's the king. And that's awesome. It reminds oh, yeah. me a lot of the season finale of the Mandalorian, not the episode, but the after season or after credits bit where Boba Fett goes in and fucking handles business and takes shit back that he fucking deserves. It was his birthright from the beginning a long time ago. Big you time. motherfuckers ain't taking Java's throne. I'm taking Java's throne. Roman came in and he took Java's throne. That shit was fucking awesome. Winner of the year. That's all I gotta say. That's yes. my Mandalorian tie-in. And yeah, I would pull out the baby right now to put him on the Zoom call, but he's on top of my Christmas tree right now. Uh, Love it. We once again, wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to episode 431 of the Steel Cage Podcast. You can get us all on Twitter. Josh is at Schlizag. Beak is at James Vanderbeek with a J-A-I-M-S Vanderbeek. And I am at Cap underscore Caveman with a K. But of course, all roads lead to at the Steel Cage. Please shoot us an email. We promise we will list. We we love them. We can't. We pass them around. We get excited about them. Uh, you can send us an email podcast at thesteelcage.com. Also, check out our store. Previously mentioned, thesteelcageshop.com. Uh, Christmas has passed, but you know what? Birthdays are coming up. Uh, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, all sorts of holidays come up. You can buy people gifts for. I don't know if you celebrate three Kings day, like Puerto Ricans do fucking get some three Kings gifts, go on the steel and also go to beak store at the pentagonzo.com, not the pentagonzo, but just pentagonzo.com. Um, I'm already finding ways to fuck that name up, Josh. You, yeah, you, no you shit, made man. it as simple as shit. And I'm do, still do I have to buy up. the pentagonzo.com now? Probably, too, just to... probably. <sighs> um, but yeah, we thank you guys so much done. for spending this year with us. I want to thank personally, I want to thank uh, Beak and uh, also our friend Neo for joining me on the podcast this year. Their presence has been an absolute uh, welcome. They are Agreed. some of the most enjoyable people I've ever worked with because I've been stuck working with like Jared and Sprung for years. And, and me. And, and this guy over here. Um, they are fantastic, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have these guys as co-workers. Uh, I, I really appreciate them being a part of this whole thing. Josh, I appreciate you having me be a part of this thing. Uh, thank wow. you so much. And I uh, really, the, the worst part about 2020 is that you moved away. That part sucks. Well, it didn't really happen this year. That was but 2019, man. You know, but 2020 was fuck 2020 let's get this year over with they had that weird commercial on wwe where like 2021 came out and beat 2020 in a ring and everybody doing moves against it so uh let's make that happen and kick 2020's ass the fuck out of here thank you guys again so much for listening and remember kids john cena squatted the big show yeah.